All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 9, Episode 33 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by Betway. If you're going to place a bet, bet on Betway. Please play responsibly. Ontario only must be 19 years of age or older. I'm your host, Brock Segan, and for the first time in a few weeks, we got the tripod back together. We got Dylan DeBerthew and Michael Biebs Bondi with us. No splicing in audio this week. We are all together. D, start with you. How's it going, bud? Uh, doing good, man. Spent a lot of money to watch the Leafs lose last night, so that was uh, a bit of a bummer, but good times were still had, so uh, can't complain too much, but... Uh... Yeah, I guess it's diluted my hockey move just just a little bit, but uh, you know what? I, I I put on for the people. It's that's uh, why we're professionals here on the, the DFO Fantasy Podcast. Yeah, well, Morgan Riley was in the lineup, so you had to know that there was going to most likely be an L. Apparently, that's just how things work in Toronto these days. And Beebs, uh, unlike D, your team put on an absolute ass whooping last night. How are you feeling today? It did an ass whooping that caused a trade today. So that's like a earthquake repercussion ass whooping, but I'm, I'm also a little down boys. Um, I, uh, I got called David Spade today and, uh, and it hurt. So we're, uh, we're bouncing back, you know? Um, and the worst part was I got called it in a public setting and then like multiple people were like, Oh my God. Yes. I, I wasn't really pushing for that today. So I'm trying to bounce back. Um, I'm, I'm really bouncing off the funny aspect of being David Spade, but uh, you know, there's, there's better actors to get. Um, was looking for a Brad Pitt, you know, one of those, but uh, here we are boys. We are on the mic. So most people can't see us. So that's a positive for my face. Um, was it but, Joe uh, dirt? 
or what uh, uh i was hoping like a little dicky roberts vibe um but i'm not too sure um if it was joder then wow uh gonna have to <laughs> reassess you got the, the, head. the joder stash right not yet but i can i could work on it <laughs> i never really thought about that but now looking at david speed it's an absolute dead ringer so sorry to make your day it, get a little bit worse yeah it was it was at the gym and like they pulled it up on the screen too. So there was like ten people there like looking and just pointing and they all agreed. So now I have yeah, to Yeah, no, uh, I agree too. I might go with it. Yeah. I'll yeah. start doing some David Spade. You've got a Halloween you... costume for the next decade at least. Did you get like a Jack David Spade at least? No, it was that's what I tried. I tried to make jokes and they're like, Oh, you're like uh I'm like, ah, oh, no one wants David Spade. And they're like, But he's like a funny uncle. I'm like, who wants to be a funny uncle? But anyway, it's not the worst you know. thing. Yeah, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, it could be the creepy uncle. So here we are. Funny uncle Biebs here. Energy's back. We've recovered. Let's talk. Speaking hockey. of speaking of doppelgangers, really quick, it is hockey related. My, uh, I met uh, one of my cousin's boyfriends yesterday, and he is an absolute dead ringer for Matt Barzell. I'm like, you a hockey fan? He's like, kind of. I'm like, no, Matt Barzell. It's like, kind of. Like, you're, you look exactly like him. He's like, really? He's like, I always get Robin Gronkowski. I'm like, well, those two people don't look anything alike. So we're going to so look much Matt better Barzell. than David Spade. So I'm having a really hard time picturing this human all of a sudden. Yeah, no, he looks exactly like Matt Barzell. He was stretching the Rob Gronkowski thing for sure. He was a dead ringer for Matt Barzell. Everyone agreed with me. Um, but let's get into fantasy hockey as we always do. Um, so, yeah, we got the fantasy hockey trade deadline today, uh, which is Wednesday, February the 28th. In most Jeez. leagues, today is the deadline. So what we did is we pulled uh, daily face-off users, DFO Fantasy Podcast listeners, just to get uh, an idea of some of the trades that went down in the last 24, 48 hours leading to hockey trade deadlines. We're going to go through them really quick, have a little bit of fun with it, and pick our winners and losers of the trade. We did not get um, any information as to who, which side our actual listeners um, are on, so we don't know if we're picking their side or going against them here. Um, and we do have some settings and stuff we'll talk about based on which, you know, the league formats and stuff like that to get a little bit more background. But we're not going to spend too much time on it. Going to have a little bit of fun. And uh, hopefully, you know, if you submitted one of your trades, you were on the winning side of things. So uh, we'll start with the first one. It's an all-categories keeper league, including bangers. Uh, Evander Kane, Matt Zuccarello, Scott Wedgwood in a second-round pick goes to Team B for Nikita Kucherov, Rupe Hintz, Jeremy Swayman, and a 10th rounder. Uh, I'll start, I suppose. Uh, to me, this is an absolute landslide for Team B. Uh, massive upgrade between the pipes. Massive upgrades on the wing and at center. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to value what the actual draft picks are worth, but second for 10th doesn't seem like a big enough discrepancy when Kucherov, Rupe Hintz, and Jeremy Swayman are going the other way. D, where do you land on this deal? Yeah, I'm with you. Um but again, I think that's going to be a recurring theme is a lot of these trades involving draft picks. And it's hard to know exactly uh, how much value to tie to them without knowing, you know, exactly how the league setup works, how many teams they are, you know, what the if if there's a keeper or there is a keepers in this sense. So uh, kind of how if the draft picks are tied to keeper costs, anything like that. Uh, but yeah, I would say if you're going to spend a, a premium pick for next season, being able to upgrade uh, that significantly. Uh, pretty huge. And the real reason why I, I thought it was, you know, pretty decidedly in Team B's favor is that Team A, I mean, normally when you're making a, a trade, this guy's clearly rebuilding, trading all these pieces away. You'd like to get some young, keepable players back in the mix. Uh, and I think Zuccarello is like 48 now. Scott Wedgwood obviously doesn't really offer any long-term value. And, and uh, Kane obviously just getting uh, further and further away from his prime as well. So I, I just didn't like the accompanying pieces to, to that draft pick and to, to really justify giving up that much. 
Yeah, I also go Team B here, fellas. But my thing is, if you're going to give away Kucherov, you got to get a first-round pick to get Kucherov and not use your first. That's where Team B really took it. We're talking about the first player to 100 points here. Guy is on an absolute tear. And uh, and like you guys said, that's before even seeing Swayman there. Um, I think Swayman just solidifies that category. I am worried for anyone else who's in the league with Team B because they just did a absolute fleece job here and uh, – and you know what? It's uh, they're going to be scary when playoff time comes around. Although they may have not listened to our strength of schedule episode, um, grabbing Swayman on in that. But either way, that's a great pickup, nonetheless. One of the best goalies in the league. Yeah, I mean, when you're going from Wedgwood to Swayman, I don't think it's the worst thing. Uh, trade number two: we have Matt Duchesne and Thomas Harley going along with a second round pick for Zach Hyman, Miro Heiskanen, and a tenth. Uh, We do have a little bit more information on the value of picks in this league. Only three keepers. So the second round pick is essentially a fifth. The 10th round pick is essentially a 13th. Um, I'm a little different from you guys. I went with A. I think it's not too big of a a drop in terms of Duchesne and Harley to Heiskanen and Hyman, where you're adding a pretty decent pick for next season. Um, All things considered, you know, this season, rest of season, I would obviously rather have Hyman and Heiskanen. Uh, but the way I looked at this trade was it felt like this was obviously a team that was um, at the bottom of the league, probably not contending, wasn't going to keep Hyman and Heiskanen, might have a couple of good keepers, and did a pretty good job getting some decent return. Maybe, uh, you know, that 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 second round pick will be uh, decent next year. So uh, I thought it was pretty close, but I went with the team a option d u and beebs both went with team b why uh again i just i think when you're moving draft picks you should really be looking to acquire potential keepers alongside with them like you said only three keepers in this league so maybe that didn't factor in as much but uh you know harley very good young blue lanner but i don't expect him to take over for high skin on that top power play unit anytime soon in the coming years which is where fantasy value primarily comes from for defensemen as we know he's also shooting 13 percent on the season from the back end uh, not very sustainable at all. 11.7 on extreme percentage. So I think there's some regression there. Uh, and I like Hyman a lot more than Duchesne moving forward as a keeper. So uh, I just think you you traded away two quality keeper options uh, in the process. So uh, I, I like, again, the, uh, the what they were able to acquire for uh, a pretty low cost in the, in the second round pick. So uh, I like it for Team B. Yeah, I definitely do as well. I went Team B just to, it was nice to see some, some a little bit of, I thought we'd be agreeing a lot here early. So nice to see on number two, uh, we're, we're different, but no team B for me, it's, uh, it's in a way it's nice to get away from having two Dallas players. If they have a bad week in the playoffs, they're a little, their schedule's a little down. You now have a, a Edmonton and a Dallas player in Hyman and Heiskanen. Also, I believe I just see Hyman finish out the year a lot stronger than Duchesne. Duchesne has one point in his last six games. Obviously that's quite, you know, he could also get hot. He had a very hot stretch right before that. But Hyman just, it, with McDavid picking it up, McDavid's not going to score for the rest of the year, as we've seen. Um, I'm joking, he is going to. But he is an assist machine right now. And Hyman is uh, is feeding, feasting. And another thing here, Hyman may actually be in one of those keepable three when it comes down to it, depending on how good this guy's team is. And I don't think any of the other two are there, um, or any of the other three players in the trade are. So to get a player that's actually potentially keepable, I think is a little bit of a win, even if you are giving up that second pick while going for it. Team B, yet again, get the dub. The next uh, four or five trades here are all from the same league. Uh, they had an absolute trade frenzy on trade deadline day today. So 
the rules in this league, 14 teams, they keep seven keepers. So uh, very deep keeper pool. Um, pretty standard scoring stats, uh, although hits and blocks are included as well as plus minus. Uh, so the first trade is an absolute doozy. Jack Eichel, Luke Hughes, and two first-round picks going from Team A to Team B. And Alex Dabrinkat, Mitch Marner, Jacob Chikrin, Sean Monahan, a fifth and a tenth for Team B. So, um, Biebs, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, uh, sorry, thought we were going to have a little bit more of an intro than that going, so I just, you know, and uh, and I was letting it sit, making it making it marinate. But uh, me and D kind of broke the rules here. And we decide to go even for this one. This is one where without really knowing, you know, what, what, who's being kept, what a keeper value is, what, what a, dra- what a draftic value is. It's hard to say, but it just seems so fair across the board. I think with those two first round picks, that's, that's massive. Obviously Marner realistically the best point getter, um, uh, if that's a word that's getting moved here, but Eichel is a pretty good keeper to send back Luke Hughes. I think I like the upside there over Chitrin and you're kind of just giving away other pieces rock. I'm sorry. I don't mean to chirp to brink at it all. He's, he's great. Um, he has been very good for me, but I, I just, I don't value him super high. Um, it's only a keep seven. So he would have probably been on the edge there. So I think it's a good idea to try to get as many picks as you can while getting Eichel. Well, his, uh, his values at its lowest. And on the other end, you're getting players that are all, you know, going to give you value right now to bring at Marner is the best value this year um, to bring at on the other side. He's scoring the wings or a wagon going to give you great value this year. And then you also, you know, you keep a fifth pick. That's a lot better than getting the ninth and the 10th. So I think that's one thing to notice there. Um, so good little salvaging by team B. I think it's a great even trade and uh, you know, even trade props to you because they rarely happen. So uh um, I will, uh, you know, it's not fun to say, but yeah, even trade. I think D agreed with me on this, one, but, uh, you know, maybe I swayed him with just my terrible points. Who knows? <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I think, um, you know, getting the two first round picks is a lot of value in there. And again, if, if this is a league where a keeper value is, 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 or the cost is tied to the draft pick, those first round picks become even more valuable. Uh, and you see better and better players slide through, uh, the keeper process when that does happen. Um, and that's how it kind of felt to me in this league. I mean, we didn't get confirmation on that, but a lot of these picks seem like they're being valued pretty high. So um, just compared to some of the other ones that we're talking about to get two first um, for what essentially to me, like at least from if, if you're rebuilding, like I don't think you're too concerned about Chitron or Monaghan for next season at all. So uh, I think in the eyes of team a, you're really looking at it as Eichel and Luke Hughes plus the two first for to bring cat Marner, the fifth and the 10th. Uh, and I think that's a, a pretty nice haul. Like I said, getting yourself set up with three first round picks for next year, really set yourself up for a nice quick turnaround there. And you got some good keepable assets there in, in Eichel and Luke Hughes. And then uh, for team B, obviously, if you're going to go for it, if you're going to move those picks, get some quality players back that can really make a difference week to week. And I think to bring Kat and Marner, certainly that. So uh, I like it from both sides. Yeah, yeah I guess uh, we do look at the league. It's probably the 99th, like the best thing you could get with that pick would be the 99th player off a draft board because yeah. 14 teams keep seven. So we got 98 kept at that point. So you're at least getting 99 through, let's say, 113 or whatever there, 112. So that's uh, whatever value you find in that. I think that's okay with those two picks. Not, you know, the greatest, but still you can definitely make some decent picks there, especially in a keeper league. Sorry, Brock, cut you right off. 
Well, no, it's all good. I, I, I went with Team B. I was uh, unaware that we were going to go cut it down the middle with even trades. But uh, to keep it short, uh, I, I guess I'm just looking at the way that this league is probably currently sitting, right? Team B obviously looks like a contender. Um, and I, I don't think that those first-round picks are going to be that valuable. As you pointed out, Bead is basically a top, uh, you know, the 100th-ranked player. And adding to Brinkett, Marner, Chikrin, and Monaghan to a team that's probably loaded with talents already seems like a great move here at the deadline to make a championship push. Well, counterpoint, like, you know, this guy probably has more than seven really good players. So those first round picks are that much more valuable, right? Cause those are the ones where the guys are really going to be sliding through. Uh, and again, that's all assuming that there's no keeper costs uh, tied to these keepers for the draft picks. Cause then the first get even better and better, but yeah, it's not necessarily the 90th overall guy. Cause there's going to be, uh, those sure. higher teams are going to have, you know, some pretty uh, stacked, you know, top 10, 15 guys to choose from when picking their keepers. So those early round picks get all the more valuable, especially in keeper leagues. Like I said, you just kind of see it fall off uh, more and more as, as you fall off in terms of the uh, the value of each round. So I, I think there's actually potentially a lot of value here, especially with the guy now being set up to have three first round. Yeah, and uh, just back to Team B for a moment. Obviously, you know, Jack Eichel injured. Luke Hughes really not producing that well uh, for a rookie. So um, not getting a lot of production out of the players that he traded away and added uh, some, some good names. But I do think I agreed if I if I could have went even even like you guys did, I probably would have. But picking, uh, I went with Team B. And I think that they've got a good chance of taking the championship in this league based on my minimal knowledge of what's going on. Uh, next trade, really quick. Tuvo uh, Teravainen and a third for Mason Marchment and a sixth. Again, I was different than you guys in this one. I want Mason Marchment in the sixth. Tuvo Teravainen is basically unrosterable at this point. He's spent some time on the fourth line, moves to the top line occasionally, hasn't really done a whole lot. Mason Marchment has been very, very good on that Dallas second line. So uh, to me, you know, Teravainen is 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 what he is at this point. He's, he's, he's old and doesn't do a whole lot at this point. And, and I think Mason Marchment's actually pretty valuable um, looking at these leagues uh, settings. So, D, why'd you go with Teravainen? Uh, I, I think I'm just not as sold on Marchment being that valuable, especially year to year. Uh, and I, I think it was a pretty cheap upgrade to move up for the draft. I, I didn't really see a whole lot of value in Teravainen either. But to be honest, I don't know if their production is going to be that far off. It matters where Teravainen falls in that lineup for sure. But I think Marchment's due for some regression, whether it happens this season or going into next year. But he's shooting 16.4%, 13.5% ice shooting percentage, plays less than 15 minutes a night. Uh, so yeah, I just don't love Marchment, even in banger leagues where, you know, helps supplement his value a little bit. I, I think it was a pretty cheap upgrade for him to move up for the sixth round and to the third round, which again, you're, you're maybe still getting some of those players that snuck through the keeper process and uh, aren't in that true, just kind of like, like you said, like 100th to 120th ranked overall player. So uh, yeah, I thought it was a nice cheap upgrade uh, and potentially a move that a guy could have made while still contending this year, setting himself up nicely for next season. Yeah. Realistically, he picked up Mason Marchment, what, like, a month, month and a half ago, maybe, maybe a little bit longer. But uh, at that point, you moved up three rounds in a 14-team league that only has seven keepers. That's pretty good. I'm kind of with D here. I think that the value overall um, is just too good there. Yeah, Tara Vinan's probably bottoming your roster, but you could have did worse. You could have had a guy that you are dropping. I, I mean, you probably he's probably your next guy. Regardless, um, it's a good trade. It's a good trade overall, but yeah, I have to give it to team a. I just love that moving up the board. That's going to be big for next year. And you realistically, this was just another guy on your team that you picked up. So quick little lightning round here. Team a gets Roman Yossi and a ninth round pick team B gets Sebastian Aho and a fourth. All three of us went with team a getting Roman Yossi and the ninth. I think uh, you guys would agree with me. It's just the fact that centers are so much deeper than defensemen. Getting Yossi really solidifies. Uh, he's he's an, obviously an elite player. 
you know, at his position where Aho is very, very good, uh, but probably a bit of a downgrade. Do you guys have anything to add quickly on why you went with team A? No, just that, you know, I it's I would think that the full rosters for each team probably play a superior picture. Maybe it helped out uh, each other a little bit more if one team is deeper on the blue line than, than the other and then one needed help up front. But yeah, I, I agree. I think Yossi, uh, his top end talent at the position is too good to ignore. Yeah, team and a. the value of goals too, I think. Sorry, just with Yossi, he's one of the top scoring defensemen in the league. That in itself, goals are worth six here. Assists are worth four. Boom, just the goals in itself. He's got 14 this year. He's a He, he loves to shoot. Um, go ahead on the next one there, Brock. Team A, John Carlson and a 12th round pick for Team B's Eric, uh, sorry, Oliver ekman Larson and a 7th round pick. Again, all three of us were on Team A getting John Carlson and a 12th, I think, uh, you know, obviously the fact that he is the top end defenseman on that team, he's the top power play quarterback on that team means a lot. Seventh round pick versus 12th round pick in a, in a deeper keeper league like this doesn't make a huge impact to me. John Carlson, also the Capitals seem to be turning things around uh, a little bit right now, which is obviously uh, pretty good. Um, next, we have all we actually agree on a lot of these trades moving forward. Uh, we got Elias Lindholm, Jacob Truba with a fourth going for Mika Zibanejad in a 14th round pick. Uh, all three of us were on board with Team B getting Mika Zibanejad in a 14th round pick. D, you're a guy that owns Mika Zibanejad in a lot of leagues. Why do you like trading for him, getting rid of Lindholm, Truba, in a fourth? Uh, well, I mean, based off the other trades in this league, like I, I think getting Zibanejad for just a fourth, when you look at like, you know, Monahan or Marner and Debrinkat basically each cost a first, if that's how you want to break that team, that trade down. Obviously, they got a fifth and a tenth back in that one, so it's a, a little bit uh, different in that sense. But yeah, I think that's such a good price uh, for his advantage. Ad. I just don't love Lindholm and Truba this year. I think they're both pretty replaceable. Even for Truba in a league that rewards hits and block shots, if you're talking defensemen, that's stuff that can be easily replaced on the waiver wire for someone as one-dimensional in Truba. It doesn't really offer you uh, a lot of offensive upside. I don't love Lindholm's role in usage that we've seen out of him in Vancouver so far. And obviously, his advantage has still got some prime years left in him. Um, so still a great keeper candidate and your team got demonstrably better this season without sacrificing the top three pick for next year. So uh, I thought it was well done, especially when you look at the rest of the trades in this league and, and what the draft picks were, we're going for. At any point, you're always looking to get the best player on the board and you got the best player on the board with Zabinijad. Like D said, you didn't have to give up that much by, uh, that many rounds. And some people are just confident in their draft game. So I got to feel that that team B is, and he now has a way better keeper. I like Zabinijad a lot. That. Kudos to that league. I mean, that's a that's a pretty eventful trade deadline. We're going to move on here. A couple more trades that we all agree on. Some rapid fire. Next one was Ukapeka Lukanen for Brandon Hagel. Uh, pretty standard format in this league. We all like the Brandon Hagel side of things. I think the fact that he has been recently playing on the top line with Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov is, is a huge factor. Also, I don't think things can get much better for Ukapeka Lukanen than they have been recently. And then the fact that the Sabres could be you know, sellers at the deadline could really hurt Lukanen's value moving forward. So I do think that cashing in, that's a nice sell high uh, on Ukapeka Lukanen, somebody that you definitely picked up off the waiver wire that turned in some very good starts, maybe helped win a couple weeks, and then turning him into a productive winger was a nice play. Uh, the next trade, Team A gets Ovechkin and Chris Letang. Team B gets Steven Stamkos. So a two for one, but it opened up a roster spot for the, the team acquiring Stamkos to activate Miro Heiskin. You always have to factor those things in. Uh, but we still all really liked what Team A got in Ovechkin and Latang. I think Ovechkin and Stamkos have been pretty even lately. Stamkos has been uh, a bit disappointing as of late, especially the fact that he's played quite a bit on that top line, loading up the top line in Tampa Bay has not worked as well for Steven Stamkos as it has for Braden Point 
and Nikita Kucherov, but uh, he's currently sitting at 24 goals, 27 assists, 51 points in 58 games. He's definitely still had a better year overall than Ovechkin, but moving forward, uh, I, I didn't mind getting Ovechkin and Latang for Stamkos. Do you guys have anything to add before we get to our final few trades here? I just want to super quick shoot back to that UPL trade. Like you said, if Buffalo becomes sellers, Devon Levi waiting comes up, he's going to get starts. That's all I want to say. Great trade to get Hagel. I love that one, but um, no, uh, I think you nailed it, Brock. Way to rapid fire. Let's get uh, let's get into some more spicy ones that we didn't agree on. Next, we have Tate Thompson getting traded for Uri Slavkowski and Pavel Buchnevich. Uh, this one didn't specify if it was going if it was a keeper league or not, which I think would have had major impact. The fact that they didn't tells me that it's probably a uh, redraft league. And I was on the side of Slavkowski and Buchnevich. Slavkowski's come on really, really strong. Buchnevich has basically outplayed Tage Thompson. I, you know, moving forward next year, if this was a keeper league, I think I might change my tune a little bit. And Tage does look like the guy that you'd want um, into next season. But I mean, Slavkowski's been great. Buchnevich has been great. If Buchnevich loses value in a potential real life trade, that could have an impact here. But if this is a redraft league, I, I think that, you know, this wasn't really... You know, the best job. We, we we were saying, like, we need to buy low on Tage Thompson right now. I think that's good buy low. I think Slavkowski and Buchnevich might have been a little bit too pricey for my liking. But, D, you were on the side of Tage Thompson here. Tell us why. Uh, I'm just happy to keep betting on Tage to bounce back and get that positive regression we've been calling for. The shots are there. Scoring chances are there. Just hasn't been converting at his usual rate. I think Slavkowski's really cooled off of ladies' point. This was last four. Just four shots on goal in that span. So, I'm not sure how reliable he'd be or he will be rest of season. Uh, I like Bucinevich, but he's had to rely on a 15% shooting percentage and 11.9 on ice shooting percentage just to get to 47 points in 56 games. Uh, he's on a heater lately, so I think they actually did a nice job of selling high here. Uh, for me, there's just not enough power play production out of the Blues this season. I, I think you got the best player in the trade uh, in Tage, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, Brock, but opening up a roster spot offers a lot of flexibility, allows you to be a lot more active in streaming off the waiver wire, which can bring in a lot more value week to week. Uh, so I'm always a fan of doing two-for-ones when you get uh, the best player and a potential premium player back like Tage Thompson, uh, which is what I think they did here. So I'll, I'll go with Tage. Yeah, I just, I, I couldn't get excited for Tage enough on this one. I'm actually on the side with Brock. I go with the two for one team and I rarely do. As I mentioned, you usually want the best player in the deal. But um, actually since the turn of the new year, both of these players have put up better points than Tage. 19 points for Vucinevich in uh, 22 games since the turn of the calendar. And then as far as Slavkovsky, 17 points in 23 games. As far as Tage, only 13 points in 21 games since we've seen 2024. 20, um, so technically, you're getting more value out of those guys already, each in their own. I think it's just too much, and I just don't really love what Buffalo's doing going forward this year. Like you said, if it's Keeper League, I think Tage is a clear winner here. But also, Slavkowski, if he gets hot again, that line was showing it can cook, but it is cold, very cold right now. But he's still shooting a lot. Love to see that. Bushnevich also very hot lately and St. Louis is rolling. So uh, yeah, team B, you got my, uh, my vote on that one. Tage, you're just yeah. not doing it for me right now. Yeah. Montreal needs to score on the power. Montreal one needs to score on the power play because they can't yeah. really get Again. the job done at five V five. Okay. These next two trades we've all agreed on uh, one side. This one's a redraft 10, uh, 12 team league with standard categories. Team a Caulfield to bring and Kempe. Uh, team B, Panarin, and Toffoli. I was originally this morning on the side of Team A getting Caulfield, Dabrinkat, and Kempe, but it really does sound like Adrian Kempe is going to mm -hmm. be sidelined uh, for an extended period of time. So when you look at this deal as just Caulfield and Dabrinkat for Panarin and Toffoli, um, if Kempe is going to be out, then I, I think that you have to side with Team B. I feel like your guys' feelings are similar. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
let's say, I mean, who's a hypothetical player we could put there for Kempe just to make this one fair when it was sent? I don't, I don't know. A point per game. Say even Hagel. Let's say it was Nick Schmaltz is there. Fine. I'm still taking Team B um, across the board. Even if Kempe was healthy, uh, Panarin is just such a wagon here. You're getting a top five producer in points. You're only giving up Caulfield and Debrinkat, two players who really don't excite me that much, especially in a redraft league. Um, two guys who are way below a point per game. Meanwhile, Panarin's way above another one and you're getting to fully too he's got 25 goals in 58 games he is goal hungry um it's not even that bad he's basically the same production as caulfield so you can cross that out you traded panarin for debrinkat and nick schmaltz damn <laughs> i agree to uh, i think to fully i mean you could realistically look at him and caulfield as probably one of the same moving forward i'd rather have to fully personally so yeah. i kind of more looked at it as like a different cat and Kempe, even if with a healthy Kempe for panarin and again that's just a no-brainer for me to, to Beebs's point it's just not easy to get those premium players uh you're gonna get so much more value out of that single roster spot than any of the other three uh that you sent the other way and again you just open up your a lot of roster flexibility um for yourself in the process so i, I always like getting the premium player in these kind of two for one three for two type deals it seems like lately, especially whenever we talk about a player on this podcast, like we do this at night while the games are happening, those players start doing something, whether it's good or bad. The other night we we're talking about how we like Nico Dawes and he was getting shelled earlier. We talked about Zach Hyman. He scored a goal as I looked at my phone. Now we're talking about Artemi Panarin. He added an assist on an empty netter and then scored on an empty net back to back to give him three more points this evening. So uh, if you ever need a fantasy player to go off, just Tweet us about him prior to a recording. We'll talk about him live, and then he will almost certainly uh, do some good. The second-to-last trade here we all agreed on as well. It was Tyler Segan straight up for Joseph Wool. It is a 12-team points league head-to-head, pretty standard with slight bangers. Um, I went with Team B. You guys went with Team B as well. To me, you guys know me. I, I was a big fan of Justin uh, Joseph Wool coming into the season, and – I really like what he offers moving forward. I do think that he could come back and be the number one in Toronto's crease. And they are still a team that has gotten solid goaltending, just not elite goaltending. Um, and Joseph Wall maybe could, you know, provide that moving forward. So I think that, you know, at a pretty cheap cost, you added a potentially really strong goalie for the finish of the season. D, you are a resident Maple Leafs fan. Tell us why you like Joseph Wall here. Honestly, if Sagan was healthy, I, I'd probably go the other way on this one. The fact that he's going to be out week to week, uh, you know, kind of a murky timeline on when he's going to be, uh, he's going to return to the Stars lineup. That was enough for me to go with Wall. But uh, I do think it's going to take some time for Wall to really work back. And again, Samson has played well enough that I still think they're going to be splitting starts down the stretch, especially with Wall coming off an injury. So uh, I, I don't know if we get to the end of the, the fantasy season or the regular season where Wall's, you know, getting the dominant share of the starts. So I don't know how much value you're actually adding. Uh, week to week in a head-to-head league like this uh, with Joseph Wall, he's certainly worth rostering uh, and, you know, and, and basically giving up someone that, you know, we don't know if he's going to come back healthy and, and Sagan um, in time to give you much impact this fantasy regular season, then uh, yeah, that that's what pushed it for me. But I, I'm a little more tempered with Wall just because I don't think he's going to just walk back into the lion's share of the role there. And in the final trade of the night, we have Carter Verhage and Mackenzie Weger along with a fifth round pick going for Owen Tippett, Jeremy Lazan, and a first-round pick. Didn't think we talked about Jeremy Lozon very often on this podcast, but it is a league with uh, hits and blocks, so it does carry a little bit more value there. Uh, I went with Team A. Um, 
and so did you, Biebs. I just really like Carter Verhage. I absolutely love Owen Tippett. Uh, but in this league, it's only four keepers. And I think that as much as anybody likes Owen Tippett, I think he would still be fairly difficult to say he would definitely be in your top four keepers. So, you know, adding the first round pick to me suggests that this team's probably not very good and Tippett will be a keeper for them. Uh, so for that, I look at this kind of just being like, yeah, we're getting Tippett as a keeper and a first round pick. So I do think it's a pretty good trade for, for team B. Again, this is probably one of the ones I would have went with a little bit more even, uh, I had a hard time deciding on this one, but, uh, moving forward, I, I think Harvard Hagney this season provides a little bit more value. And I don't think any of these guys are probably going to be getting kept, but, uh, Biebs, you were with me on this one team. A, why do you like it a little bit better? Yeah, we were talking earlier. Kucherov couldn't get a one. So Carter Verhage getting the first well done TB. But uh, I had to give it to obviously Team A. You need to make a push and you picked up someone who's going to help you in all categories. Carter Verhage proven it time and time again. He's going to score. He's going to put up a point per game. He's going to have plus, positive plus minus. He's going to shoot the puck. So um, I, I just like this move a lot. I think Uyghur, obviously, you're, uh, you're, you're buying high, very high, but that's okay too. Um, if he can help you for the rest of the year, he's one of the pieces that is going to stay in Calgary. So there he's probably going to be one that they, you know, give a lot of ice time to let him go off, be their new guy. So, yeah, I like that. And you still have the fifth, which when you're keeping four, that fifth round pick is still pretty nice. Um, Would have saw a lot of people, you know, look to the end of their draft and take one of those picks. So it's good that you still got the five. Um, but yeah, well done to both teams here. But uh, team A. You squeak this one out, but D, you were a little bit indifferent, I believe. So, yeah, I, I do think, especially in this kind of setup, like Tippett can bring close to as much value as Verhage. Um, you know, he he's just such a monster in these uh, extended category leagues. He's really just a category filler. He's you know almost four shots a game this season, uh, a couple hits a game as well. So he adds a lot of value in banger leagues uh, and first round picks. Like they're just so valuable, even in keeper leagues with a diluted player pool. And here we only have four players being kept per team. Uh, like I think we are to uh, Luzon is a pretty um, it's, it's more lateral than maybe people realize in a league like this. Um, again, it's, you know, those hits and block shots that is a big chunk of Uyghur's value in this sort of setup. It's easier to replace on the blue line. Uh, and yeah, I just love the value that you can get uh, from Tippett. I think for Hagee's fantastic, but I think you got really good value for him uh, to me more than worth a slight downgrade to Tippett, given the fact that you grabbed an extra first rounder for next season. And, uh, who knows? This to me didn't scream like a team that's rebuilding. It could just be a nice savvy move, and maybe they need a little more helps and shots in the in the hits category. And uh, Tippett certainly brings that in abundance. That is going to do it for your, I guess, trade fantasy hockey trade deadline listener recap. I don't know how to title that one, but when we get back, we're going to take a Nailed look it. ahead at the real life NHL trade deadline as well as always we've got d's keepers coming up and the betway bets of the day so enjoy a quick break we'll be back here in a, about 30 seconds cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 9, Episode 33 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast presented to you by Betway. Before I get to the Betway bets of the day, uh, I'd just like to apologize for saying D's keepers. We actually have D's streamers coming up in the second half of the show, as always. Um, D's keepers could be something that we talk about at the end of the year when the streamers are over and we break down D's uh, expansive keeper list of 300 players. So D, you better it. start studying, get your homework done. Uh, but yeah, let's it. get to... <laughs> let's get to the betway bets of the day reminder if you're going to place a bet bet on betway please play responsibly on tier only must be 19 years of age or older uh, i think it would be silly of me not to back my detroit red wings who are on an absolute heater right now they are currently sitting at minus 115 at home against the new york islanders who cannot play defense against anybody so how are they going to stop the hottest offense in the league i do not know minus 115 suggests that the islanders are actually Small favorites in this game, but the Red Wings got the uh, home ice advantage. So I, I don't really see how the Islanders could be favorites in this game. Uh, so yeah, minus 115 home ice. I absolutely love the Red Wings. I also really like the over in that game as well. The Red Wings scoring a ton of goals. The Islanders not very good defensively, but they do have a pretty good offense of their own. I would be lying to you if I say that the Red Wings are great defensively. They've just been getting outstanding goaltending from Alex Lyon. James Reimer, to his credit, was also pretty solid. Uh, they have a 960 save percentage, over a 960 save percentage in the last six games during the six-game winning streak. So uh, maybe some regression there. So I'll go over six. It's currently plus 105 on Betway. So give me the Red Wings minus 115 and over 6.5 plus 105. And then the final game of the night, I like the Pittsburgh Penguins. Still playing pretty well. One of the better 5v5 teams in the league. I uh, just need to still get that power play going to a certain degree. Currently sitting at plus 100 on the road against the Seattle Kraken. Dealing with some injuries right now, to be sure. Uh, but coming off a big win in Vancouver the other night, I think they can do the same in Seattle tomorrow. So uh, I like the odds, plus 100. Give me the Pittsburgh Penguins. And those are the Betway bets of the day. Thank you guys so much. Let's take a look now at the trade deadline, the real NHL trade deadline. We're going to take a look at some of the names that are fantasy relevant, fantasy relevant excuse me, on Frank Saravalli's trade targets board over at dailyfaceoff.com. And just do a quick look at will these players or do these players, I guess, have any chance of their value going up in a trade or are they only likely headed for a downgrade? And if your fantasy trade deadline is not today and you have some of these players that are due for potential downgrades, it might be time to move them. I know there's a couple of leagues uh, that have their deadline on Friday. So uh, if you're listening, you still might not be uh, at the deadline yet. So let's start with Noah Hannafin, one of the top defensemen available on the trade market. I guess before we dive in here, we should just mention, you know, I'm sure everybody's already heard about it, but Chris Tanev traded from the Calgary Flames to the Dallas Stars for a 2024 second round pick and a conditional uh Draft pick in 2026 will be a third if the Stars make it to the Stanley Cup Finals this year. They also gave up a low-level prospect. Uh, the New Jersey Devils were also involved, uh, acquiring a fourth-round pick to become um, to retain 25%. So overall, the Stars end up with Chris Tanev at 75% retained. So 
the Flames, obviously selling. Noah Hannafin is one of the top names on Frank Saravalli's trade targets list. Do you think that his trade value or fantasy value can go up with a trade, or is it only destined to go down? Currently playing on the top pair in Calgary and usually on the second power play unit. D, we'll start with you, Noah Hannafin. Stock up or stock down? I think it goes down. Um, you know, he. I think he makes whatever team he ends up on way, way better. I think he's a fantastic defenseman, but just not a guy that traditionally sees a lot of time on the power play. Um, usually been more out of necessity in the past when he does get that time. So uh, it's hard to imagine him going to a contender where he would, you know, be in the conversation, potentially move up to the top power play unit, which is, I think the only way um, that we really see uh, his value from a fantasy perspective improve. So I'm going to go stock down and I think he's due for a little bit of regression as well, shooting 9.3% on the back end. So he's been a nice little story so far in fantasy leagues, but to me, it's just a guy who offers so much more value uh, in real hockey than in fantasy hockey. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you got to move him if you have him because I'm going stock down playoff teams. They have solidified power plays. They have solidified most things. They're just adding pieces into the puzzle. Likely the pieces that are missing in the puzzle aren't first line defensemen um, and all that. So yeah, Hannafin stock down, you know, get, get trade your chips while they're, uh, you know, still gold and not bronze. So there you go with that little advice from Beavs. Yeah, like I, I think he's he's gonna maybe be a top pairing defenseman wherever he goes, like he is now. So that's gonna be probably a, a lateral move, and at best he's gonna be second power play unit. So I, I think yeah. it's either going down or Which it'll stay a huge value. Yeah, it'll stay pretty uh, pretty similar to what it is now. Next is Jake Gensel of the Pittsburgh Penguins, currently injured, but obviously uh, a focal point of this trade deadline, and he is a focal point of the Pittsburgh Penguins offense top uh, line with Sidney Crosby all year, top power play unit. To me, like. I don't know what situation he goes into that's better than playing with Sidney Crosby, right? Like the chemistry's there. It's been like years where they played together and they've been magical together. I just don't really see him improving his value, but I do think that if Jake Gensel gets moved, it's going to be a to a team that is really needy for a winger in their top six. Obviously, you know, if he lands in Edmonton, there's lots of chatter there. Like, does he end up on Connor McDavid's wing? Maybe, right? So I, I think that there's a chance that Gensel's um value stays similar but i don't think it can possibly go up d what do you think i do think it can go up i mean pittsburgh's got the fifth worst power play in the league this season and his power play production has been slashed because of that so i think there's potential for that to really improve and uh i think the price that he's going to command i'm not convinced he does get traded the fact that um you know he's going to get to submit it or he does get to submit a 12 team no trade list as well i just think it's going to be too difficult i'll be surprised i you know i'll be happy because it means fireworks and you know it's always fun but uh, I, I would just be surprised if, if that does end up happening. But I think the price is going to be so significant that, yeah, whoever moves for him is going to obviously be looking to play him and uh, as premium of a position as he already plays with for the Penguins. Maybe not quite 21 minutes a night, but certainly 19, 20. I think he'll be right up around there. And if he lands on, it doesn't need to be the Oilers, but if he lands on a team with just a functioning power play, you know, that that alone is going to do uh, wonders for his production. So I'm not really worried about uh, trading for Gensel, and I do think it could even uh, improve if he is to be moved. Yeah, I'm on the same page. I think it kind of makes it parallel because I'm right there with you, Brock. It's almost like a salad of your guys' points. Like, I think that him leaving Pittsburgh, the chemistry thing could hurt him, but that that better power play could kind of level out the playing field there. Um, I'm a little worried that we might see a Timu Meyer-like situation from last year where he kind of lost a lot of value at the end of the year. At the same point, though, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like we've kind of seen this has been one of Jake Gensel's best seasons, So, uh, so it's hard to think. You know, even in a in a newer position, if he could do better, but that power play certainly would go a long way. But uh, but it's gonna be interesting with that injury for sure. Yeah, I, I think it would take a real 
crazy trade for him to end up in a spot where he's like relegated to the third like Timo Meyer was. I just don't see that happening, but I, I do think I'm just worried I, like the production in that way. Could, how yeah, for sure. It. Like, I mean, obviously, man, like I, I don't think we can understate how important chemistry is and him and Sidney Crosby yeah. have it in abundance. So um he's never yeah, played anywhere power, else. The power play, man, has been so bad. I just still can't figure that out. It's been so good for years. And they had Eric Carlson, and it just magically gets worse. They moved Chris Letang up there. It still sucks. But anyways, let's move to the Anaheim Ducks. Adam Henrique is number three on this list. Beebs, we'll start with you. Stock up or stock down if Adam Henrique gets moved? Oh, definitely stock down. He's been kind of like one of the cooler stories of fantasy hockey, actually having quite a bit of value this season. But Adam Henrique is realistically at heart a third-line center. We've seen it the last couple seasons in Anaheim, which is a much weaker team, even if he has been their second um, or just moved around. But he's not a first-line left winger or first-line or even realistically top six player wherever he does move Henrique is just a fantastic third line center and he's going to go there and he's going to do that and it's going to be good but he's not going to play on the power play and he's not going to be up in that top well he might be in the top six he could be a second line center but even still without that top power play time without that 20 minutes of usage that he's getting on some nights uh you know it's going to go down so poor sorry Henrique. it's uh it's really cool to see what you did and how you're bouncing back but uh this might be it for your fantasy value for a little bit yeah, I agree. I don't think it really can get better for him. Just in, I think the usage is due to take a hit um, to Beavs' point. And uh, yeah, this guy is not going to cost you know as much of a premium position. I think a lot of contending teams can be in a spot where they can afford to add Henrique and really just strengthen out the depth of their lineup, just like Beavs is saying. And he's, yeah, he's got 19 points in his last 20 games, playing just under 19 minutes a night in that time. First line, first power play, you know, and that's just not going to be the case when he moves. Uh, to a contending team. So I, I do think he can bring a lot of value with him, but from a fantasy perspective, uh, I can't imagine it's going to be uh, close to what it's been over the last month or so when he's been red hot and nearly a point per game. Yeah, I, I think like most likely it's going down. I think maybe he could be a streaming target still, uh, depending on where he lands in the lineup. A lot of rumors sure. about maybe the Edmonton Oilers being interested. To me, he most likely ends up on the third line with Ryan McLeod. You see a guy like Warren Fogle move up if they don't make a huge splash. And Fogle's played well in the top six this season. So, yeah, I don't I don't imagine that Henrik has a ton of value moving forward if he gets dealt. Riley Smith is next. A lot of chatter about him potentially getting moved back to Vegas. Um I mean, his value is pretty much as low as it's been throughout his career. So you'd have to think that it can only go up. But he's been placed in a premium position in Pittsburgh and has not done a whole lot with it. So even if he does get moved, I don't see Riley Smith uh, being that relevant in fantasy. He hasn't really been that relevant uh, for a couple seasons now, really. He's been solid um, and a nice streamer. But, I mean, just 26 goals, 56 points a season ago was fine. 10 goals, 15 assists this year has been terrible. Uh, Beebs, back to you. Riley Smith, stock up or stock down if he gets dealt? Got to be stock up. Can't get much worse, like you said. Mm-hmm. I mean, up uh, half a point per game is not good. Um, that's not fantasy value. So maybe he gets some more streaming value at this point, though. I'm not even streaming him most nights. It's just there's nothing there. Um, you got to hope that something, a move resur- creates a resurgence in him or just, you know, maybe just being around different players gets him back. But he definitely has, he's definitely better than, you know, a 41-point guy across an 82-game season. So um, hopefully it goes up. That'd be, be cool to see. And he could definitely be a little fit nicely in someone's top six there. Yeah, I think going back to Vegas makes a lot of sense uh, for all parties, but uh, I certainly think it can get a lot better. I already talked about you know the power play and how that's really just crushed everyone's production in Pittsburgh this year, or at least the upside there. 
Uh, and Riley Smith's barely gotten a sniff with Crosby this year. He's played just 40 minutes with them. He's played over 500 with Malkin, who's obviously not as effective of a play driver. Uh, and that 16 minutes a night isn't going to be tough to replicate. So I think you could end up in a situation that gives him a little bit more opportunity to produce that 5v5, obviously on the power play as well uh, with similar ice time. So I do think you kind of creep back into some fantasy relevance. Um, but yeah, it's not a guy that I'm like stashing on my the, my bench right now, hoping he gets moved because I don't think it'll be that substantial, even when it does inevitably, yeah. in my opinion, go up. A bit. No, I'm right there with you. Uh, next is Jacob Markstrom from the Calgary Flames. Uh, to me, goalies are a little bit easier to judge uh, because if he gets moved, he's going to be going to a goalie needy team and most likely be their number one moving forward. And I think it's pretty easy to suggest that Jacob Markstrom's value will go up because he's going to probably be seeing a similar workload to what he's seeing now on a better team. Um, if it's like, if he goes to New Jersey and starts the same amount of games as he is currently in Calgary, I, you know, I, I think obviously that Markstrom's value goes up. Um, I don't really see a situation in where his value goes down. I think it's either going to be lateral or, or it's going to go up marginally. D, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're definitely right. At, you know, I, I think he's just bound to get some more goal support. Um, for, for, yeah, particularly, excuse me, with the Devils there, I think that could be a really nice spot. Uh, 3.32 goals a game as opposed to 3.14 out of Calgary. So that's a pretty significant difference. It probably uh, amounts to him picking up an extra uh, win each week or so. So I, I think that could be a pretty nice spot for him. The problem is with these guys, there's just not really usually a whole lot of contending teams that are in the market for a goalie. If you've been struggling in net all season long, you're probably not in a uh, really good spot to be making contending moves at a deadline. So I, I think that's the issue here. So I'm not quite convinced that it happens. There's usually just not that big of a market for it. But if it does, I, I'm with you. There's no way it gets worse. Let's say that he doesn't get moved from Calgary he almost becomes unownable to me just because we're watching guys move out. We just saw Chris Tanev go. We're going to see Noah Hannafin go. He was at the top of this list. It's not going to get better for Markstrom in Calgary defensively. I'm not saying, you know, drop him if he doesn't get traded, but it, it does get scary. So you do have to hope that he does. It, it's it's because things aren't going to get better. They're, they're not going to get better defensively with two guys from the HL now in their lineup. It's just, it's not how it works. Um, so yeah. Yeah, re replacing Chris Tanner with Jordan Osterley is probably not going to make them better defensively. Um, I think another team that's kind of interesting and, and could be in the mix is like an LA Kings, right? Like this team looks like they're kind of on the cusp. And, uh, you know, great goaltending from, from Cam Talbot at the start of the year. Dave, Big Save Dave's giving them some, some pretty good starts, but I don't think that they feel terrific heading into the playoffs yeah. trying to make a cup push with those two guys. And, and that's a team that's still very good defensively that could really help Jacob Markstrom's uh, value. But that's a great point, Beebs. Like, it, it, it's probably going to get worse if, if he does stay in Calgary. Uh, okay, a couple other names that seemingly, some of these are more likely to move than others. Pavel Buchnevich seems unlikely to move. I think you guys would agree with me that his value can only go down, really. Like, he's already playing massive minutes uh, on the top line. He's playing on the top power play. Like, obviously, he could go to a team with a much better power play, similar to Jake Gensel. So it's possible um, but like, I, I, I don't know if I'm sitting here with, with Pavel Buchnevich and saying like, man, I really want him to get traded when he's currently playing on the top line with Robert Thomas, who's having an outstanding season. Um, and I guess there's no guarantee that he would be on the team's top power play unit if he gets traded there. Um, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's probable it's likely, but it's not a guarantee. So I, I have my reservations. If I'm a Buchnevich owner that I actually want him to get dealt D what do you think? 
I do think like a, a change of scenery on that power play could help out a lot and maybe offset some of the aggression that I think is coming his way. Um, Cause like I said, he's been rather fortunate just to be able to produce the clip that he's at so far this season. But yeah, I think it's uh, you're threading a pretty tight needle there. Um, and like, again, though, he's got an extra year on his contract, so this isn't going to be a cheap price. I think anyone that's looking to add is going to have a significant need for him. So I would not be surprised if he ends up somewhere there. He does settle into a spot on the top power play. You know, as long as management and coaching are aligned, like you're not going to move what it takes to get a Buchnevich to play him in your middle six, right? So uh, that's kind of where I'm sitting on. I think if I think if he does get moved, it, it could be a spot like um, maybe the Hurricanes somewhere that has an opening for a top line winger um, and. A, a spot where he could potentially do a lot of work. Maybe your Detroit Red Wings as well, Brock, uh, if they want to really make a big push. I think that's a nice piece for them, considering the fact that he's under contract for another year as well. Uh, but again, we got a, a yeah, modified no move, another 12 to no trade list, which just makes it all the more difficult for him to get moved. So not convinced it happens, but I, again, I think as long as coaching and management are aligned, I think he does see a pretty big role if he does get moved somewhere. Yeah, St. Louis only six points out of a playoff spot right now, and they're two games back, or sorry, have two less games played than the team they are chasing. So they're kind of still in the hunt. I'm with you guys. Booch likely won't move, and if he does, I don't love it. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's playing like 20-plus every night. That's tough to replicate on good teams. Or yeah, I mean, he, he would look terrific in, in Detroit. I would, I'd absolutely love that deal. I was talking to one of my, my buddies the other day, and that's definitely somebody that I'm interested in if the Red Wings decide to be buyers at the deadline, and it's looking more and more likely as they continue to win hockey games. Jacob Chikrin of the Ottawa Senators it seems to just always be on the trade board. <laughs> like This man's entire existence in the NHL has been as a trade target. And, you know, I, I think that he was a player that we were all extremely high on. I mean, the goal production in 2020 and 2021, the shot volume was insane. And then he lands in Ottawa and it looks like this is going to be, a, you know, a splash year for him. And it's really just been pretty okay. Uh, 30 points in 57 games. The injuries are still kind of a concern for him, but like very rarely on the top power play unit, Jake Sanderson's really solidified himself as the top PP guy in Ottawa. And his value just has not really been there. Um, I, I think it would be difficult for his value to move a lot. Like, I think it'll probably be very similar to what it is now. Like, I think it would be kind of a similar trade to like Noah Hannafin moving, right? Probably still going to play big minutes in the top four of a team that he goes to. He's probably still going to be on the second power play unit, but like, I don't see it getting significantly better. I think it's probably going to stay pretty similar to what it is now. Beebs, what do you think? Yeah, you nailed it. Um, I'm more just like trying to get past the words of how heartbroken I kind of am from Chitron here because I was one of those believers. I thought, you know, he was going to be healthy. He was going to shoot a ton. He was going to do it all. But here we are talking about a guy with 30 points and we're almost in the fantasy playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, I think this is going to be a trade that, Maybe someone, it is definitely someone whose ceiling is so high that you should keep an eye on where they go. Um, and you don't see many defensemen who can flirt with 200 shots in a season. So that's phenomenal. But, uh, but yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not, not getting all, all jumpy like I am over some of these other names. But like you said, Chitrin, he's either on the trade block or on the IR. So there's no in between, I don't think, with this guy. Yeah, I, I think the difficult part here for his fantasy value to go up, I think some of the best potential landing spots are in division, which makes the trade pretty unlikely to happen. Namely, like the Maple Leafs have shown to not be, uh, or Keith himself shown not to be totally married to Morgan Riley being on the top power play unit. We saw Eric Gustafson come in a season ago and get some time there. 
Um, and we saw it in the past with Tyson Berry uh, making a move for him to potentially come and take back Riley's role. And they kind of just always fall back to um, defaulting to have Morgan Riley back in that spot. So I do think if he were to go to the Maple Leafs, like there's potential for him to take a very lucrative spot there. I just don't think the Sens ever make that deal with the Leafs. And again, your Red Wings, Brock, like if, if he ends up on that top power play, like Shane Gossespierre is not that tough to supplant. And uh, I think that could be a really nice spot for him as well. But again, it being in division makes it pretty unlikely. And all the other spots, I, I really do think that um, that number one power play spot is, is really uh, accounted for. And it's going to be tough to bump anyone else out. Maybe Boston, they've shown not to love McAvoy there in the past either. So that's another potential spot, I guess, where we could see some upside um, from a contending team in, in terms of making room for Chichen on their top power play. But again, we're talking in division, so it just makes the trade less and less likely to happen. I, I think if he does get moved, it's going to be, like you guys say, more of a lateral move because I just don't think it's going to be a really uh, an open spot for him to move into the top power play role on, a, on what's going to be an above-average power play. Yeah, the way the Red Wings roll out their power play with kind of two even units, it doesn't even really matter which unit you land on there. Uh, you're, you know, you're either playing with Larkin on the top unit, 1A, or you're playing with Debrinkat and Kane on, on 1B. So, um, But yeah, another player that I'm definitely interested in for the Red Wings. Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, another guy whose name seems to be on the trade walk constantly in recent years. Um, I mean, he's had a, a kind of a resurgent uh stretch of play here as of late he seems to be finding his game at the right time for the ottawa senators i mean this is a guy who is super super good in his days with the blues was not very good with the rangers last year um like 21 points in 31 games was fine this year 38 points in 55 games for the Senators, not great um he's he's one of the more interesting names on this list for me because I do feel like there's still like a lot of game here and we just haven't really seen it. His own percentage is currently at 48%. He's probably a name that I would pick up if he's available in my league and hold on to into the trade deadline just to see where he goes, whether it's a re you know, reunites with the New York Rangers and ends up on the top line with Zibanejad and Kreider. I think that's possible. And obviously it didn't work out great last year, but it could this year. So he is probably of this list. Like I'm more interested in him than I am in Henrique and Ter and, uh, and Riley Smith moving forward. Uh, would you guys agree? Pete? Is there uh is there anyone else in this list who could maybe push the money needle more than Tarasenko too, at this point with these last little stretch here, if he goes to a contender and he really balls out, he can kind of catch a big contract in that not big, but at least bigger than expected with what he's doing in Ottawa. His plan for sure was to go to Ottawa, you know, put up points in a dangerous top six and get out of there and make a ton of money the next year off a bridge deal. And, uh, and that's not quite working that way or probably this where they don't do as good. He gets traded to a contender and it's someone who fits very well in the top sixes. I, I like what you said. I think you really got to keep an eye as we head into the deadline or your, um, the trade deadline next week, maybe on Thursday, if you have an extra spot, grab Tarasenko. Um, and uh, cause yeah, his value could definitely go up. I think if he goes to the right squad, if he finds his way on a power play, that's a little bit better. A couple things, but no, I definitely, uh, I definitely like keeping an eye on him because you know, money drives a man and uh, he might, he might be going crazy if he gets traded to the right spot. And I'd be down with that. I'm cool with that. D how do you feel about a nice little Tarasenko wheel and deal to somewhere else? Yeah, I think it's an obvious one for a guy whose value could obviously improve. I do, again, I don't just—I really don't see how it could be any worse. He's playing just 16 minutes a night. Uh, Senators' power play has been pretty dreadful this year, just 16.6% on the season. Uh, so yeah, he's gonna probably end up in a better spot no matter where he goes. So 
uh, definitely a guy that I think is worth holding on to at this point and just seeing how the deadline plays out. And the final name on the list, pretty similar to Vladimir Tarasenko, is Jordan Everly of the Seattle Kraken. Uh, again, not a name that's 100% going to be moved, but another guy who's seemingly uh, increasing his trade value by the day. Five goals in his last five games. That top line in Seattle is starting to heat up. I think that they're probably envisioning going on a run and getting into the playoffs still. Uh, but Everly's name has surfaced, you know, in, in many circles, whether it's the Edmonton Oilers or, or elsewhere. Uh, he is somebody that, again, like Tarasenko, is probably worth a speculative ad. One, just because he's hot right now, and you might as well ride that out while, while that's going on. Uh, but the number two, he, he could certainly see a bump in value. The Kraken, as it stands right now, two games in hand on the National Predators, seven points out of the playoffs. So it's going to be a tough battle for them down the stretch. I do think that Everly would make sense moving. And, you know, if he ends up back with the reunion in Edmonton and ends up on a line in that top six, he's certainly somebody that could be dangerous in the second half of the season. So Tarasenko and Everly, two names that I'm definitely – scooping on the waiver wire in hopes of better things in a week uh, from now. D, how do you feel about Jordan Eberle? I like it. I'm with you. I think he's worth holding on to. I, I don't know if it's like as automatic that he ends up in a better spot simply because he gets a lot of minutes in Seattle, but there, there is room uh, for that upside to grow for sure. I don't Like I said, I don't think it's as automatic as Tarasenko. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he were to end up back in Edmonton, obviously that's kind of the dream spot for anyone to fall into right now, any of these targets that we've talked about. So um, there's enough or there's a, enough plausible scenarios where you could really see that upside taking off. So I'm with you. He's definitely a guy to stash and, and play in the meantime, uh, ride out that hot streak, like you said, and then, and then hope he ends up in the right spot. And if not, you just drop him next week. Yeah. My thing is say you don't get Tarasenko as your grab, then go Everly. I'm cool with that. Um, I was about to ask you guys the same question, but D already made that point by what he stated. Brock, you, you kind of in the same boat, grab Tarasenko first, go Everly second. If you're, you know, if you're just kind of being that guy who's trying to jump above. Honestly, I would probably pick up Everly first just because, just because he's actually productive right now. Like, you gotcha. know what? Like you might get a, a decent week out of him, and both these guys could get traded to shittier situations next week and it might not matter much. So yeah, I think that maybe I would go Everly first, but yeah, I think it's close. I, I don't think you can really go wrong. I think they're pretty similar players right now. I think they're pretty similar players moving forward. Uh, and then obviously where they land will be, uh, make a big difference on, on how much value they have moving forward after that. Uh, but that is going to do it for our mini trade deadline preview. We'll probably dive into a lot of these names again next week. If we hear some more chatter, if some players have already moved, we'll talk about the, the kind of repercussions of those deals. Uh, we would love to have broken down tonight's trade, but I do not think that no matter where he got traded, it could have been to the moon and Chris Tanev's uh, fantasy value probably wouldn't have changed too much. He is great in bank. And that is it. He will block Traded 400 shots moon. a year, um, but that is about all you're going to get. So, without further ado, we will not go over to D for D's keepers, but in fact, we will go to him for D's streamers. Take it away, D. All right. So, we got three games Friday, 13 on Saturday, six on Sunday. So, of course, as always, we're looking at those teams playing on Friday and Sunday. We got four teams to go through. Kicking us off are the Anaheim Ducks. They are at home for both games this weekend, Friday versus the Devils, and then the Canucks on Sunday. Uh, not the best matchup on Sunday, but Devils obviously uh, can get got in terms of goals against with the goaltending that they've had this year. Uh, so Mason McTavish, 43% owned. You know, not a great chance that he's out there, but I think he's one of the top streaming targets that's going to be available if he is this weekend. 
uh, a guy that you certainly want to move for. He's got four goals, four assists in his last six game, 18 shots on goal while playing just over 60 minutes a night. So hopefully that usage continues to grow, not just throughout this weekend, but the rest of the season, because I think he's a, a great pickup and a, a great uh, could add a lot of value to your playoff push. Second line and, and powerful unit right now. And obviously, as we already talked about, Adam Henrique up next, if he were to get moved, would open up another spot and a lot more minutes for McTavish to uh, consume the rest of the season. But Henrique himself, center left wing eligible, 29% owned. Uh, like I talked about earlier, he's been productive for the better part of two months now. Six goals, 13 assists in his last 20 games, 46 shots on goal in that stretch. 18 minutes, 57 seconds average time on ice as well. First line and top power play unit. Uh, he's a great option this weekend, just out of usage alone. Uh, and then Ryan Strom, left wing, right wing eligible, 8% owned, four goals, four assists in his last 10, 21 shots on goal, 15, 59 average time on ice. Third line, but first power play unit. So uh, a little bit of upside there in terms of assists, but that... Uh, Shot volume, obviously going to cap his goal scoring. So uh, more of a deep lead target for me. And then Leo Carlson, uh, really not that interested in, surprisingly enough. First line, second powerful unit. He hasn't scored since January 5th, just 38 shots on goal in that 22-game drought uh, while playing still over 18 minutes a night. So a lot of talent there, but I don't know if it's all going to come together for him quite yet this season. So uh, I'm actually probably fading Leo Carlson this weekend. But uh, I felt he still needed to mention because I'm sure our listeners would have been wondering why his name didn't get brought up otherwise, but he's uh, he's ice cold. So that's why. Uh, and then moving on, we got the Coyotes. They're in Ottawa on Friday in Washington on Sunday. You already know we're going to get some two pretty familiar names dropped here. Your boy, Nick Schmaltz, center right wing eligible, 19% owned. He's heating back up of late, two goals, two assists in his last four, playing over 19 minutes a night. The biggest issue here is the injury to Clayton Keller, which severely hampers his upside. So we'll have to see. We're not quite sure what his status is going to be this weekend. Doesn't look good. I'll tell you that much. Um, but Schmaltz, I think, is worth a roll of the dice either way, especially in a pair of uh, relatively good matchups for the Coyotes and the Senators and Capitals. Uh, and then, of course, we got to give out some love to Matthias Michelli, left wing, 6% owned, second line, first power play unit, the most underutilized playmaker in the league. Two goals, three assists in his last five games while playing over 18 minutes a night. So that ice time's creeping up. Shot volume is always going to cap his goal scoring upside. Uh, but, you know, as sure of a bet as any of all these names we're going to talk about to add to your assist totals this weekend. And then moving on, we got the Devils there in Anaheim on Friday. Nice. In L.A. on Sunday. Not as nice. Uh, but issue here that we see a lot of times with the better teams in the streaming segments, uh, just not a lot of quality options uh, widely available in that top six. Dawson Mercer, center right wing eligible, 21% owned, and Andre Palat. Left wing, 3% owned, are your best bets, but I do think there are better options out there this weekend, despite how tempting the matchup in Anaheim might be. The two have combined for just three points in their last five games. Not great. Mercer dropped back down to the third line as well. So I'm really not too interested in the Devils, assuming you're not in a shallower league and all the big names are already scooped up. Uh, if you're in a shallower league, Timo Meyer's out there. Uh, you know, Obviously, he's worth a roll of the dice. Uh, Capitals, in, or, sorry, hosting the Flyers on Friday before hosting the Coyotes on Sunday. So not a bad matchup spread by any means of the imagination uh dylan strome center eligible 38 percent on he's been on a tear this past month he's got five goals and 10 assists in his last 13 games 33 shots on goal which is great to see out of him uh and an average time on ice of 18 minutes and 32 seconds he's playing with a vetchkin and tom wilson on the capitals first line right now as well as that top powerful unit so certainly one of the top streaming options this weekend if available 62 percent of leagues he's still out there so uh give a check for dylan strome uh, and then Max Pacioretty, left wing, 12% owned. He's really starting to find his form. He's got two goals, three assists in his last six games, 16 shots on goal, despite playing less than 13 and a half minutes a night. I'd expect him to start earning more ice time sooner than later now that he's really uh, rounding into form and shape uh, to being out, out for so long. But uh, either way, I'm happy to bet on that shot volume this weekend. Third line, second power play unit. Uh, and then moving on in goal, that's going to do it for the skaters. Uh, 
just a few names, uh, really a couple to mention here, and then uh, one more of a cursory look. But the Jets are in Carolina on Saturday and Buffalo on Sunday. Hellebuck will almost certainly get the Hurricanes on Saturday, which leaves Laurent Boursois to face the Sabres in an excellent matchup on Sunday. It's as good of a matchup as you could really realistically hope for. The Jets are one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. Bersois has been outstanding when called upon this season. He's got a 9-4-2 record to go along with a 2-26 goals against average and a 9-22 save percentage, just 19% owned. And that's even a little inflated due to him getting the start on Tuesday. So I'd expect that to drop back down a bit ahead of the weekend. Uh, and then Calvin Picard may get to face the Penguins on Sunday. I'm not entirely convinced he gets that game and not the Saturday. He's just 8% owned. The Oilers do have an afternoon game in Seattle on Saturday. It's not uncommon for a backup to get the front end of a weekend back-to-back when it's an afternoon game. The Oilers will have just played... Uh, less than 48 hours before that uh, on Thursday night. So I would definitely wait to see if Jeff Skinner is confirmed on Saturday before moving to grab Picard ahead of Sunday's game against the Penguins, where, of course, of course, the Oilers will be favored. And other than that, really, the only other potential favorable spot start you might be able to find on your wire uh, in shallower leagues or in leagues where managers just grown too impatient with Philip Gustafson and or Marc-Andre Fleury. They're both over that 50% ownership mark, but I've seen them out there in a lot of leagues. Uh, whoever gets the nod on Sunday will get a delicious home matchup against the Sharks. Uh, so just a couple of names to keep an eye out there. Obviously, trickier because they're above 50% ownership and trickier to project how that uh, back-to-back is going to go in terms of who gets what start. But if the projected starter is out there for Sunday, obviously that's going to be a, a smash and grab uh, to try and save your matchup and push you over the edge this weekend. Just to confirm, it will be Stuart Skinner who would get the nod for the Edmonton Oilers, not Jeff Skinner. Uh, but mm, just certainly sick. back. To Laurent Brassois, uh, as good as his numbers have been, D, as you outlined, if you take a look at just his last 10 starts, he has been unbelievable. 7-2-1 with a 9-40 save percentage. Just absolutely bonkers numbers from one of the most fun names in the league to pronounce, Laurent Brassois. And that is going to do it for these streamers. That is also going to do it for season nine, episode 33 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. I'm your host, Brock Seguin. We had Dylan DeBerthy and Michael B's Bonnie with us today. We'll see you guys back here next week. It's all hope for a juicy trade deadline from the NHL. Peace. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 